0: Some of you uh, have been asking about my father, Uh, my dad got up early Friday morning and um, went out to get the newspaper about 1.30 in the morning, it collapsed on the floor, uh, broke his hip and uh, was in surgery yesterday, so they fixed the hip with a pin um we talked to him on zoom last night and he seems to be in good spirits he's witnessing to all the nurses and uh just pray for fruit um and for recovery he's ni- almost 92 um so Chris and i may end up uh, depending on what happens may end up taking an extended period of time to go up and be with him and to sort of help him with um his recovery so <clears throat> um that was my announcement for today The song we just sang, I like many of the phrases in here, but I want to just emphasize verse 3 again, uh, talking about God. He by himself hath sworn, I on his oath depend. And I, I really like that phrase that when God says something, He will fulfill it. God is not a man that He should lie or the Son of Man that He should repent. If He says something, He will do it. And that gives us as believers great confidence in um, His Word, so that when we read His Word, we know that He will accomplish everything that He has told us He will do. So this morning's uh, message, so we're going to look at uh, our study in Matthew chapter 24, um, although we are not going to spend a lot of time in Matthew today, um, this is more of another part of the introduction to uh, end times. But I do want to read where we ended last week, and that is uh, Matthew 24, beginning with verse 15. We'll probably come back to this again next week, but let's at least read this section <clears throat> today as it is appropriate uh, to the message. So Matthew 24:15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, and then in parentheses it says, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Who would those be, by the way, who would be in Judea? What people group? Jews. Jews, okay. Um, Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. To whom does the Sabbath apply? To the Jews. Okay, so once again. Both of these phrases in here clearly um, are speaking to the Jewish people, not to the Gentiles, not to the church. So so if we're going to follow the scriptural command that we have here in verse 15, we must pause at verse 15 and make sure we know what this means. For it says, whoever reads, let him understand. Last week, or two weeks ago, we mentioned that uh, Jesus answered the first question that the disciples had raised about the coming of the Lord, when will it happen, what are going to be the signs, and so on. And He answered the first question, and He said in Luke 21, 24, Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So what does that mean? What are the times of the Gentiles? So we know for a fact that the the Gentile domination over the Jewish people began with the Babylonian captivity. And it takes us to the time when Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and, and the Jewish people were taken to Babylon, Babylon uh, in captivity. While Daniel was in captivity in Babylon, God sent an angel to speak to Daniel. The angel's name was Gabriel, and and he told Daniel about God's future plans for Israel. And that is found in Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 through 23. Then, after we read about the angel coming, we have an amazing prophecy. In the prophecy, God gives Israel a calendar of events that will last a total of 490 years. It is a total of 70 weeks of years, so 70 times 7 years equals 490 years. It is interesting, and we did note this when we were looking earlier in Matthew, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem Um, and the people saying Hosanna to uh, God in the highest, they cut palm branches and laid them out before him rode in on a donkey, that that actually, that event, that day, was actually the very last day of the 69th week of the 70 weeks of Daniel's prophecy. Um, And on the same week, Jesus said that Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And effectively, Jesus stopped the prophetic clock on Israel's history at that moment. So the 69th week ended, and we still have not finished the 70th week. So that 70th week is still to be fulfilled. God does not lie. So if he says there's going to be 490 years of uh, God's dealings with his people, Israel, and there was a starting point, and it has not finished yet, but we've come to a completion of the 69th week, we still have to see the 70th week fulfilled because God does not lie. He is not a man that he should repent or the son of man that he should uh, turn back from what he has said. So there is one week of years to fulfill and God must fulfill his word. He is faithful to his promises. The final week of that prophecy perfectly coincides with the seven-year tribulation period that is yet to come. That week, that seventh or that seven-year period is the final week of Daniel's prophecy. We're going to talk more about it. And you'll see it on some of the charts in a minute. The book of Daniel is a phenomenal book. It is um, the key to much of biblical prophecy. And we're going to look at this probably next week. Daniel describes four major uh, Gentile kingdoms that will dominate Israel. And uh, the first kingdom is Babylon. And we um, So that's where we're starting from today. The world powers will continue right to the end of the tribulation period. So some of you have asked me questions over the last couple of weeks about, well, when does this time of the Gentiles end? It's interesting that it ends at the same time that the tribulation ends. And God is dealing not only with the Jews during that period of time um, to fulfill Daniel's 70th week of prophecy, But he is also dealing with the times of the Gentile, which coexist until the end of the uh, tribulation period. Matthew chapter 24 and 25 is all about Israel and God's dealings with his people, um, with the nation of Israel, and as he fulfills the ancient prophecy um, from Daniel. But for today, we're going to look at uh, Daniel's seventieth week. So, as I said earlier, Daniel chapter nine verses twenty through twenty-three, the angel Gabriel comes to Daniel. He reveals to Daniel something that Daniel could not have known unless God told him through <coughs> through his angel. And uh, this is the prophecy. So, if you can turn with me uh, on your papers. Uh, I actually have the whole prophecy listed there, or you can see it up uh, on the screen, but let, let's just read it here. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy. And to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times." And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week He shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Now, there's a that prophecy is a mouthful. There is so much packed into that prophecy, and we're going to look at it and we're going to break it down, uh, verse by verse, for you. But this prophecy is one of the most significant passages of all of Scripture that holds the key to the future of Israel and to the end times. So let's look at it carefully. Number one, in the prophecy it says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city, verse 24. The term there, 70 weeks, literally is 70 weeks. Sevens are determined. Now, most of you already know that the 70 weeks are not weeks of days. In other words, it's not literal weeks, um, 77 day periods, uh, nor is it um, months. The term literally means 70 sevens, and the sevens equal years. So 70 times 7 years is equal to 400. years. And that's really the key that unlocks the whole mystery of this uh, prophecy. 490 years are determined by God. God has a comprehensive plan that will take 490 years to complete. And God speaks of the future here to Daniel as if it had already taken place. He tells him exactly what is going to take place for a 490 year period. And he marks it out by three uh, separate time frames. We're going to look at those in detail as well. But, but make it known here first that uh, God says through His angel to Daniel, God has a plan for your people. Daniel is of what nationality? He's a Jew. So your people means your people, the Jews. And um, for your holy city. What holy city do you know of in the world? Don't say Mecca, okay? (laughs) But that would refer uh, that a Jew would consider holy. What city? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So clearly God is speaking about the Jewish people and about the city Jerusalem. This prophecy has only to do with Israel, not the Gentiles. It has nothing to do with the church. The church, in this period of time when Daniel received the prophecy, was a hidden mystery. God had not revealed anything about the church. And all through the Old Testament, the church is a mystery. The church is not revealed until the New Testament. So, this cannot refer to the church. The prophecy cannot refer to the church. The end time 70th week cannot refer to the church. The church is not going to be here. This is just one more evidence of it. But the um, church was a mystery hidden in Daniel's day, says Ephesians 5.32. And so the church has nothing to do with this prophecy. What is... So as we think about Daniel and he's receiving this um, information from the angel Gabriel, what's on his mind when he hears the prophecy about 70 times seven. If you go back to Daniel 9.2, Daniel is already thinking in terms of years. He says in Daniel 9.2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years In the desolations of Jerusalem. So, Daniel, before this prophecy even came to him, he was reading in the book of Jeremiah. And as he thought through the issues in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah specifically says that God would um, uh, punish, as it were, Israel and the nations, but Israel in particular, for 70 years. Very clear in the book of Jeremiah. And so Daniel's already thinking in terms of periods of years. The book of Jeremiah tells us why God shows 70 years of captivity for the Jews in Babylon. The book, uh, God's law teaches that the Jews were to follow a seven year cycle. And so this is what it says in Levit- Leviticus 25 1 through 4. And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath. Of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. And as we read further, slaves were to go free, debts were to be forgiven, and the land was to lay fallow on the seventh year. For a period of 490 years, Israel ignored this command of God. And when year seven came along, and they were supposed to not sow their fields and not prune their, uh, their grapevines and so on, they just went on uh, business as usual. And they just kept sowing their fields and gathering their grapes and doing everything that God told them not to do. And for 490 years, they disobeyed the Lord's command. So if you take the number 490 and you divide it by seven, so every seventh year, how many years do you get? How many Sabbaths did they not uh, follow? 490 divided by seven, it's real easy. 70. So why did God take Israel into captivity for 70 years? It was so the land would lay fallow, would lay and, and enjoy the 70 years of rest that God commanded That it should have. So, the 70 Sabbaths, 70 years where where the land did not rest, God's saying, It is going to rest just like I commanded. And the only way I can do this is to take my people out of the land and let Israel, the nation of Israel or the land of Israel, uh, be desolate. And that's what happened. So, the Babylonians invaded the land, they tore down the walls and the temple, and they took the people into captivity. The number of Sabbath years that they had disobeyed was 70 years, and for 70 years, God kept them in captivity in Babylon, while the land enjoyed the Sabbath rest, just as he had commanded. So now, you have on your sheets, um, and up on, the, up on the screen as well, a, a graph And so I want you to look at this, and we're just going to look at it um, briefly. The 490 years I just spoke about was the Jews not obeying the Lord and the the Sabbath rest not being uh, followed. The center of this graph shows 70 years of captivity, and we have it under the 490 years was passed, The 70-year captivity is now, in in other words, in Daniel's time, this is now, um, as he is suffering with the people in Babylon. But it's interesting, there is a 490-year period yet to come, uh, as far as Daniel was concerned. So he's now sandwiched between, he's the Oreo. There's 490 years on this side, There's a 70-year captivity, and there's a 490-year period on the other side. Daniel understood the reason for the captivity, that it had to do with Israel's disobedience in the past. God now reveals to Daniel in this prophecy that there would be another period of 490 years of Israel's future, of God's dealings with the nation of Israel, um, in order for God to complete his promises and plans for Israel, So question number two for you, what is going to happen during that 490-year period that's to come? So Daniel 9.24 says 70 weeks or 490 years are determined for your people and for your city. And then if you look at your next chart, you will see that there are six issues that God is going to deal with Uh, He needs to address these issues with Israel, and all of them fit within that 490 year schedule. And so he says there are six things. um, 70 weeks are determined for your people, for your holy city. Number one, to finish the transgression. Number two, to make an end of sins. Number three, make reconciliation for iniquity. Number four, bring in everlasting righteousness. Number five, seal up vision and prophecy. And number six, anoint the most holy. So the first three um, numbers here on this list have to do with the Messiah's coming to die for sins. His death on the cross, Jesus' death on the cross is the basis uh, for dealing with the sins of Israel. The last three have to do with the Messiah's coming to reign. So let's look at these one by one. Finish the transgression. This probably refers to Israel's rejection of Jesus as her Messiah. But when the 490 years is complete, so again, remember, we're one week shy of it, one week of years, seven years shy of it, at the end of the tribulation period, Israel will finally turn to Jesus as her Messiah and submit to him as Lord. There is a future and there is a hope for the nation of Israel. Unlike what many people teach today and say that all of the prophecies that we see in Matthew and Mark and Luke um, were fulfilled in 70 AD. That is absolute nonsense. Um, That has not occurred. The Jews have not returned to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Zechariah twelve ten says. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. The tribulation period is designed by God to bring Israel to her knees and to bring her to the point where she proclaims As everyone is ultimately going to proclaim, Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay, that is going to happen, and it is going to happen at the end of the tribulation period. Israel will finally recognize Jesus as her Messiah and uh, will be saved. Second, it says, make an end of sins, which what this means is that Israel will repent of her sins. Praise the Lord. We've been waiting for it all through the Old Testament. We've waited for it all through Jesus' ministry on earth. We've been waiting for it for 2,000 years during the church age, and she still has not repented. Most Jews today are atheists. Most Jews today don't, don't care about God. But in this period, at the end of the tribulation period, Israel will repent of her sins, and God will forgive them. Jeremiah 31, 33 says this, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. Number three, make reconciliation for iniquity. The basis for this reconciliation uh, for their sin is what Jesus did on the cross. He died for the sins of the world, including the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. And um, reconciliation has not happened yet. It is still future but for, uh, for God has a plan to restore Israel to Himself. The Scripture says this in Romans eleven twenty five through 27. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Same phrase Jesus used... Um, about when will these things take place, Jesus said, when the times of the Gentiles is complete. And so we know from what he said and from this passage in Romans that that occurs at the end of the tribulation period. And um, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written... The deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. It's a marvelous hope for Israel. We're not there yet, but praise the Lord that God has not abandoned his people. He has not forsaken them. He has not forgotten them. This is still to come. Number four, bring in everlasting righteousness. Well, obviously, if you look at the world today and you see the corruption in this world and we are getting worse and worse, I have religious friends who believe that the world, that the church is going to cause the world to get better and better and better. I haven't seen that and nobody has seen that in 2,000 years. We are devolving and we are not evolving into a better race, into a better people. We are devolving. Everlasting righteousness. <laughs> That's a wonderful phrase. And that is going to happen. It does not happen yet, but will happen when Jesus comes again to set up his millennial kingdom on the earth. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, we often refer to this passage at Christmas time where it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And we should stop there at Christmas time because that, those are the only verses that refer to Jesus coming to earth the first time. The rest of it has to do with his coming the second time. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Father of Eternity, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end, praise God, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. When God makes a promise, brothers and sisters, he is going to see it fulfilled. And this is one passage that just emphasizes that again. Did Jesus come the first time? Yes. Was a child born? Yes. Was a son given? Yes. Then all the rest of this prophecy is going to come to pass as well. He, the zeal of the Lord will perform, of, of hosts will perform this. Number five, seal up vision and prophecy. I believe that this refers to God fulfilling every single last prophecy in the Bible that is yet to be fulfilled. By the time we reach the end of the 490 years, all prophecies will be fulfilled concerning Israel and the temple. God will see to it that he fulfills his word. Revelation 21, 5 and 6 says this Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Finally, number six, that he will anoint the most holy. So this could mean that um, the anointing of the Holy One, that is Jesus, or the holy place, or it could be both. The temple, we know, is described in Ezekiel 40 through 44, that the, the temple will be anointed or consecrated at the beginning of the 1,000-year reign of Christ, the millennium. It's interesting, do you remember reading in the Old Testament about the Shekinah glory, the glory of God that filled the temple, and how the Shekinah glory left the temple? Well, there will be a new temple, brothers and sisters, and the Shekinah glory will come into the temple, but it will be in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says this, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. I love this phrase. He will purify the sons of Levi. In Handel's Messiah, that, that phrase goes over and over again. And he will purify the sons of Levi. The, the Jews of Jesus' day, the leaders of Jesus' day, they were corrupt. Jesus rebuked them for for their sin and their waywardness, but at this time when he establishes his kingdom, he will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Wow, this is thrilling for me to think about what the Lord is going to do. It's all going to be fulfilled. There is so much blessing in store for Israel. She will finally and fully return to the Lord, and He will be their God, and they will be His people. But Daniel was told that there would be a 490-year time period before that happens. So what is the starting point of this prophecy, and when will it be complete? So that's what we're going to look at next. I wish we had time to go through all kinds of mathematical calculations and computations and show you how this all fits. But if you're interested in the details, there was a man named Sir Robert Anderson in the late 1800s. He was the assistant commissioner of the criminal investigation department of Scotland Yard. And he discovered in his study of the scripture a clue that unlocked the key to understanding this prophecy. The key that unlocks the timing of this prophecy is that the years that are described here are not solar years. We measure things by solar years, 365 and a quarter days per year. The way we take that quarter every fourth year, we add a day to the end of February, and we say, there we are, we're caught up again. Okay, so we calculate years by the the number 365 and a quarter, give or take. A prophetic year, however, is not 365 and a quarter. It's 360 days. So every month in a prophetic year, is there's 12 months. Each month has 30 days. So 12 times 30 is 360. And if you use that number you will find that that number fits precisely with the prophecies um, that we're going to be looking at. So how is the 490 future year period divided? So Daniel 9.25, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks... So seven weeks of years times seven years is how much? Seven times seven. 49 years. Okay, so that's the first period. 49 years. There will be uh, seven weeks and 62 weeks. So just to calculate it out for you, you're going to end up with 69 weeks of years. It's just... Simple math, okay? And we're going to look at that uh, in just a a couple of minutes. Um, The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. So, we know from Daniel 9.25 that the prophecy for the the 490-year period starts with the decree to restore and build Jerusalem. That's the starting point. Well, the problem is we come to Ezra and Nehemiah and there are four decrees. Which of the four decrees is it? And so I, I don't, we don't have the time today to go through it. You can see the passages um, on your sheets. You can go home and read this for yourself. The first decree was in 539 by King Cyrus to rebuild the temple but not the city of Jerusalem. So that can't be it because that's not what the the prophecy said. So first decree by Cyrus cannot be uh, it. The temple was started, but uh, it it soon uh, stopped. The second decree in 520 BC was King Darius who confirmed the original decree of Cyrus to rebuild the temple, but not the city. Once again, that's not what the prophecy says. The third decree, 458 B.C., with a guy named Artaxerxes Longamanus, I believe that's how you say his name, but if you want to correct me, that's fine. Uh, this is actually a financial decree, uh, money for the furnishings and sacrifices, not to rebuild the city. So that can't be the decree either. The fourth decree was in March 5th, 444 B.C., and uh, it was a decree to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. So let's read that one, Nehemiah 1, 1.3. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Uh, Nehemiah 2, 1 through 5 says, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan... In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. Well, he should be afraid, because the king had the power to off with his head. And so he said, I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? And the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. This is the prophecy. This is the uh, decree that we need to be looking at. Daniel had prophesied 95 years before this decree that a decree would be made. And the decree was issued March 5th, 444 B.C. Once the walls were rebuilt, they had an empty city and they began to build the interior structures to form a city. And it took seven times seven weeks, 49 years to uh, to rebuild the walls, the houses, the businesses, and so on and so forth. This is exactly what Daniel said. Despite the opposition, they were able to complete the walls in a short period of time and to begin to rebuild even in troublesome times. Interesting. That's what the prophecy said. So we have figured out which of the decrees it was. Now that we know the decrees, uh, date of the decree. um, This is where the fun part begins, if you like math. Daniel takes the 70 weeks and divides them into three parts. And so if you look at your next chart, as I mentioned earlier, there should be seven weeks, that is 49 years. That's the first line on your chart. 17,640 days. Then there will be 62 weeks of years. That brings us to 33 A.D. And as a matter of fact, it takes us right to the time when Jesus enters the temple on the donkey, or to the temple square, that is, on the donkey into Jerusalem, and they cry out, Hosanna to the king. This is the day that the Jews should have repented. This is the day that the Jews should have bowed their knee and said, you are our Messiah. This is the day that could have saved the nation. Seven weeks are decreed. The city was rebuilt. 62 weeks brings us to 33 AD, right to the triumphal entry. And if you add the seven weeks and the 62 weeks, we have a total of 69 weeks. Why is there a break? At 69, why didn't God just carry on with another week of years, seven more years? God had another plan, and it was a plan that was not revealed in the Old Testament, and that plan includes you and me. That plan is the church. Israel rejected her Messiah. We're going to read about some exciting parts of this now. Daniel nine twenty-six, and it says, and after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. So this is now 7 plus 62. So it's the end of the 69th week. And he's saying, Messiah shall be cut off. Imagine what Daniel must have been thinking when he read this, when he he wrote this. What does this mean, Messiah will be cut off? But not for himself. When Jesus died on the cross, he was cut off. When Jesus died on the cross, it was not for himself. It was for us. And it says, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So we know that the, um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so the one, the prince who is to come, I'm going to talk about this just briefly right now, is the Antichrist, the prince to come, not Jesus. The prince to come, and it's the people of the prince who is to come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Who were the people in control over Jerusalem and over Israel at that time? The Romans, okay? And so the Antichrist will, will come from the revived Roman Empire. We're going to look at that uh, shortly. Um, okay, we're going to look right now for just a minute at the week the clock stopped, So top line of your chart says 70 weeks is determined or 490 years. We already know that it's a period um, that's broken down into seven weeks or 49 years plus 62 weeks. And that at the very end of that chart, you see sort of in uh, salmon color one week or seven years that is to be fulfilled. At the end of the 69th week, Listen to what takes place. We've read through it all. We've already studied it. But when you put it all together, it kind of uh, is stunning. At the end of the 69th week, you have the triumphal entry of Christ into um, Jerusalem. That's Monday. On Tuesday, Israel is judged, and God, Jesus, judges her by cleansing the temple if you remember that whole story and all the events surrounding it. On the next day, Wednesday, he curses the fig tree because Israel is a fruitless um, nation. He also tells the parable of the landowner, and the Jewish leaders make this statement uh, about what the landowner should do. They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Still on Wednesday, he takes away the place of favor uh, Israel had enjoyed with God and gives it to the Gentiles. Uh, they are the other vine dressers. Then he weeps over Jerusalem and declares how he would have gathered them as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But they refused Him. And He says, Your house is left to you desolate, empty. And the Bible tells us that desolations are determined for Israel. Still on Wednesday, the Greeks come to Jesus. They are Gentiles, obviously. And they say, We wish to see Jesus. Interesting. The Jews had rejected Him. Now the Gentiles come to him and say, we want to see Jesus. And that has been typical of the 2,000-year church age. It's been primarily Gentiles who say, I want to see Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And uh, we wish to see Jesus in John 12, 21. The transition had already begun. On Thursday, Jesus is arrested. And on Friday, the Lord is cut off. Messiah is cut off. That is, he is crucified, buried, and resurrected. His sacrifice on the cross is not for himself, but for us. This verse in Daniel actually teaches substitutionary death of Christ on the cross for for you and for me. In Luke 20, the um, uh, parable uh, reads this way. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy these vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. But the Jews would not have him. And so they are cut off as far as their position and favor with God is concerned. They are judicially blinded temporarily. Temporarily is over 2,000 years so far. And the gospel goes out to the Gentiles, but the Jews are not cut off forever. God still must fulfill His prophecies. God made a promise, and He is bound to His promise. And His word uh, to complete the 70th week of Daniel's ancient prophecy is still to come. Okay, now you come to the big chart. This one here. Okay? So, The 70 weeks is determined, 490 years. You see the arrow at the end of the top line there, which shows that there is a 70th week, the one week that is left in the prophecy. In between, we note that there is an unseen gap in the Old Testament, which is the church age. That's where we are right now. And I would say we are at the very, very far end of that gap okay? The Lord is coming uh, for us very soon. So the one week of seven years, if you look at the arrow down at near the bottom of your chart, I now expand that one week. And that one week is the tribulation period, Daniel's 70th week. It's a period of seven years of 360 days per year. It is Uh, broken into two parts Uh, the tribulation the first three and a half years is called the tribulation or it's 1260 days that coincides with that uh, 360 day year and the great tribulation is when all manner of uh, horror um, is poured out upon the earth that's another 1260 days that is the sum total of Daniel's 70th week that is then followed by Jesus Christ coming to the earth with us, his saints, to reign on the earth for a thousand years of peace. So, let's go back to Daniel nine twenty six and 27. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood till the end of the um, of the war, desolations are determined. Okay, that happened. That part's happened. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. The uh, covenant is the Antichrist making a peace treaty with Israel for a seven year period. But he breaks it. And it says, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. There is coming a prince, not the king, there is coming a prince. He is the Antichrist and he comes from the same people, the Romans, who destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. Now, if you remember your history, Titus was a Roman, and he destroyed the city of Jerusalem and burned the temple, uh, and and caused all the stones of the temple to be, to be uh, broken down one by one to get at the gold. He destroyed the city and the temple in seventy A.D. The prince who is to come is from the same Roman. Uh, government, shall we say, or, or uh, um, kingdom, but it's a revived Roman kingdom. We don't see the kingdom right now, but it's going to be revived, and we're going to look at some of those prophecies uh, in the future days. There's a gap between chapter, uh, Daniel 9.26 and Daniel 9.27. That gap is the current church age, which has gone on for 2,000 years. We are right in the midst of it. We can see what has already transpired and we see from prophecy what God is yet to do. It's an interesting place to be in history, to be right here in the middle towards the end of it, knowing that Jesus is coming first to the air to receive us to himself and then he's going to pour out his wrath upon the world and particularly the Jewish people to bring them to repentance so that he might pour out for them the blessing that he ultimately promised for them. There's only one week of seven years left, and that week could start today. There's nothing preventing the Lord from starting that today, except he is patient, waiting for people to repent of their sins and to turn to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And so for those here who may not know the Lord or those listening to the sermons, if you don't know the Lord, Trust Him today. You might be the last one in the church. Come to Him uh, before it's too late. The final week is divided into into two parts, which we've already talked about. The coming prince, the Antichrist, will make a covenant or peace treaty with Israel, and then in the middle of that week, he will break it. Um, And the way he will do this is that he will stop so the Jews are going to be allowed to go into the temple and have sacrifices like they've, they've wanted to for thousands of years now. And they will be able to go back in there. But in the middle of the week, at the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist will stop all sacrifices and offerings. And he will go into the temple himself. He will set up an image of himself and proclaim himself to be God. And that the whole world would, uh, would be to uh, come to Him and worship Him as the Messiah, as the uh, Deliverer. And this abomination, uh, an abomination in the Scripture generally refers to an idol or uh, worshiping something that is not God. This abomination that He sets up causes desolation. Uh, and emptying, and and God tells His people to empty the city. This is the first passage we read this morning. When you see this, understand what Daniel the prophet said. Get out of Jerusalem. Do not go back to your home. Do not go back to the field. Don't go gather your things. Run. Um, And this this is the issue that is uh, being described here. The abomination is His idol in the temple that makes all things desolate so I want to stop again and just say this God has promised wonderful things for Israel he is not finished with Israel yes she is going to go through a time of trouble like she has never known before and you say well the holocaust the holocaust that's got to be the worst time no it's not And it is going to be so much worse than the the period where six million Jews were slaughtered. This is still to come. And um, it is going to be a time of trouble like the world has never seen before. But in the end, God will give Israel a future and a hope. She will not be destroyed. Romans chapter 11 25 through 29. I just want to read this to you again. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them. What does that mean? This is my promise to Israel. And he will see it fulfilled when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What God has promised... He will fulfill. We've gone past our time. Uh, We were going to sing, and you can sing this on your way home today, Great is thy faithfulness. Because God makes promises that he always, always fulfills. And it should give us great confidence as well as believers that whatever he has promised to us, he will also fulfill. Let's give him thanks for that. Lord, we worship you as a God who knows the end from the beginning that nothing can prevent your decrees from taking place. You have made a covenant with Israel, and you will fulfill that covenant uh, for the sake of the fathers. We thank you, Lord, that you do not lie, that you do not repent, that you do not change. We thank you that you are faithful and that what you have promised you will complete. Lord, it gives us great hope as well as believers that you have promised to come and to receive us to yourself, that where you are, there we may be also. We look forward to hearing that shout, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and knowing that dead relatives who have already trusted you will rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Lord, we take great comfort in these words and give you praise, for you are faithful. In Jesus' name. Come on.